listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. And today's a great day to be at church. Y'all picked a great Sunday because today we're starting a brand new teaching series called Ridiculous. And we're going to get into that in just a minute because some of you might think, wow, that title is ridiculous. And uh, it, it is. And so we're, we're going to get into that in, uh, in just a minute. Uh, but we're so glad that you're here. This is one of the best weekends to join us for church when we start a brand new teaching series because you're on top of everything. All the other messages are going to come from, uh, come from from this message. So you're here. You've, you've got that box checked. You're ready to go. So uh, today we are starting this series called Ridiculous. It's really uh, called Ridiculous Faith. Uh, where We're starting a four-part teaching series that's going to take us through the rest of the month of May here. And it's all about uh, a guy from the Old Testament named Elisha. Elisha. Now there's two different guys in the Old Testament uh, that have similar names. We have Elijah and then Elisha. Today, or this series is all about the life of Elisha, which comes after Elijah. And so we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the story of Elisha, the one that we're talking about today, is really a story of some really great faith. In fact, we've called this series ridiculous because Elisha had ridiculous types of faith. Like, I mean, his faith was just kind of off the charts. He had this huge, crazy faith. And here's what I'm believing and what I'm praying for us as a church is that over the next four weeks... I pray that we would just have this defining moment in our relationship with God. When it comes to our faith in God, I think these next four weeks can really build your faith. And I pray that through the teaching of God's Word in this series, I pray that it would give you a ridiculous amount of faith, everybody. That's our prayer. That's why we've called this series what we've called it. For you old schoolers out there who might think, wow, this is a crazy title to a series. This is ridiculous in a good sense. Uh, I don't know if you know, uh, you, you, you you do know that uh, in our culture, there's a lot of words out there that have double meanings. You know what I'm talking about? So ridiculous has this double meaning, but there's words out there uh, like back in the day when somebody would say, wow, that's sick. What, you know, it was that is sick in a good way, not sick in like a throwing up way, you know, so it, it, sick has two meanings. There's other words out there that have, that have uh, two meanings as well. Like if someone said, oh, that's bad, you know, like it, it's just the, some, sometimes bad can be used in a good way, mean something, wow, that's bad, or, or no, it's really, really bad, like it's actually awful. And so a lot of words have double meanings, and uh, so that's what ridiculous is. Ridiculous is this, uh, it's this double meaning to where, wow, that's ridiculous, like that's ridiculously good, and so that's why we've called this series, uh, what we called it. Also, it sounds better than the life of Elisha. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's a little bit more interesting than that. And uh, But that's really what it is. And so, anyway, I don't know. You probably know some words in your life. I know uh, from TikTok, uh, another word, another like little phrase is she, you know, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. all you, uh, half, of, half of the room, 
Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. The other half, you're totally confused. And that's all right. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a TikTok thing. But anyway, yeah, it, that's kind of what we did with this series. And so um, really what we're doing is we're just looking at the life of Elisha. And uh, I just believe God is going to build some ridiculous faith in this series uh, in the good kind of way. And so in order to jump into this series, like I said, you're here at a good time because well, I'm going to tell you all about who Elisha was in order for you to understand this text as we go throughout this series. So let's talk about who Elisha was, and then I'm going to get into scripture, and then we're going to break down the scripture. So Elisha, I told you earlier, there was two, there was two guys in the Old Testament that had very similar names, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, Elijah, the one that we're not talking about, came before Elisha. And so there was this great prophet by the name of Elijah with a J, and uh, he was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. Elijah, this prophet, was known for his big, daring faith. Um, this, this huge, I mean, this guy was just full of faith. He, he had a, an amazing amount of faith. The Lord worked through him in many different ways. And at the end of really Elijah's, uh, Elijah's time with us here on earth, uh, there's this other guy that comes into the scene by the name of Elisha. And Elisha wanted to be like the great prophet, the great man of faith, like Elijah. He wanted to be just like him. In fact, Elisha was bold enough to ask for a double portion of what God gave Elijah on this earth. And so Elisha asked for that double portion of his anointing. And in fact, we actually see uh, Elisha, Elisha records almost... Uh, Elisha records so many miracles in the Bible. In fact, it's one of, he's one of the top people up towards Jesus with the, how many miracles we see in his story. So he's done a lot of really, really great things in Scripture. And if that's who we're going to study. We're going to study Elisha today. What's so interesting about the life of Elisha is the fact that this guy is very ordinary. This is just a regular person living their life, and then all of a sudden God calls him to do something greater. This wasn't a son of a preacher. This wasn't a guy who was a, like a monk or some type of outward spiritual giant. Um, this guy didn't go to seminary. He wasn't, written, he wasn't in, in schooling or anything. Like, like This was just a regular, ordinary guy um, who was living with his parents on a farm, everybody. and that, that's, He was living with his parents on a farm, and, uh, and God told him... Uh, God spoke to him, and he was able to do some really incredible things in the Bible. Elisha also lived during the 9th century B.C. If you like deep stuff, that's when that's a type, that's an area that he lived around, or that's that's uh, the time frame that he lived around. Uh, at that time, Israel was a very divided nation. Uh, they were worshiping false gods like Baal, and so it, everything was really corrupt, and uh, it, it just it, it was a, it was a tough time to be uh, alive. And so, and Elisha's there on that scene as well. And what's interesting about him is, is that God calls this really ordinary man to be a prophet. And he gives him, with the title ridiculous, he gives him ridiculous responsibility. This guy has a lot of responsibility in scripture. In fact, you'll see that he'll go on to counsel kings. He'll perform many miracles. He will quite literally speak on behalf of God in scripture. This, this man, God really used Elisha. And we're going to pick up a story today um, um, I, I think this is a great story to kick off our series. It's out of, if you've got your Bibles, we're out of 1 Kings 
chapter 19, verse 19 today. Take a look at this. I'm going to kind of speed read through this because we're going to, uh, we're going to jump back into it as we go throughout. But here's the story that we're, that we're talking about today from 1 Kings 19. So he, Elijah, who is, who's the guy before Elisha, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, and he was plowing with 12 yokes of oxen. So, so Elisha was just kind of doing his thing. He was doing what he's always done, plowing with 12 yokes of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to Elisha and threw his cloak around him. We're going to see that has spiritual significance here. But then it says, Elisha then left his oxen and he ran after Elijah. He went to follow this great prophet. And he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He said, and then I'm going to, I'm going to come with you. So that's what he did. And Elijah said, go back. Uh, what, what have I done to you? And so Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he literally slaughtered what brought him income. He slaughtered his yoke of oxen and then he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's ridiculous how you said that. <laughs> and and that, this, this story is. This is really a beginning of, of a, a crazy, ridiculous story here. Uh, and so I want to show you, um, before we really dive into the content today, I also wanted to take this opportunity to give you uh, what, where we're going in this series, what we're doing in this series. Next week, we're literally going to talk about how so many, uh, so many people's faith is so small. Like a lot of people literally don't think big enough. They don't have faith enough for big things. And, uh, and at the same time, there are also some people out there who have really big faith, but they're not willing to start small. They're not willing to be faithful in the little things. And so next week, we're going to look at a story where Elijah asked some people, or Elisha asked some people to dig some ditches and, uh, in a valley where there was a drought long before there was rain. He was asking people to dig the ditches and prepare for what God had for them uh, before, long before there was any signs of water. And what really what I'm believing is next week that God is going to expand your faith to really help you think big. And that's, that's my hope for you. And uh, not only to think big, but be willing to start small and be faithful with the little things. The third week of this series, we're going to look at a story of this widow who is really desperate. And I, I think that it's going to speak to any of you who maybe you're going through a really difficult time right now. Uh, and, and you're just, how do I make it out of this? I think this is really going to speak to you uh, on the third week because this lady has this one, she has two sons and uh, all she had to her name was a jar of oil. And, uh, and, all, and what God asked her to essentially give that up and uh, all she could see uh, all she all she could really see was what she didn't have, and actually God used the prophet uh, Elisha, and, and is, we're going to see uh, everything that she needed. She had everything that she needed. Finally, in the fourth week, we're going we're gonna to see a really crazy miracle, uh, and it's going to it's really going to touch those of you who maybe you've lost your spiritual edge. You feel like, man, I've just 
I just haven't, haven't had my connection with the Holy Spirit, or I just feel like I'm far away from God. I'm praying that that week uh, is really going to help you. We're going to look at a miracle where an axe head fell in, the body, in a body of water, and God literally lifts the axe head out of the water. And uh, we're going to be talking about how to get your spiritual edge back. And so that's gonna be a, it's going to be a great series, uh, and those are all great stories. But today I want to focus on this, this commitment, this ridiculous commitment of faith that, uh, that Elisha had. And so um, I'm excited to give this to you. Let me break down the verses for you. Let's take a look at it. Uh, the first verse, uh, verse 19, it said, we, we read this already, but let me just break it down. Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself, he, he, he's driving this oxen. The first part of this story, to break it down for you, is the fact that Elisha is doing the same thing that he's always done his entire life. He's doing the same job that he's been doing for a long time. He's working at his parents' farm, and he's driving the yoke of oxen. I read a book uh, specifically about Elisha's life from Pastor Stephen Furtick. He writes a book, Greater, a book that really changed. I, I read that book right before I started this church. Really changed my life. Um, it's in Pastor Stephen Furtick, he points out uh, this idea that I never really thought about before in the book. He points out the, the monotony, essentially, of what it would be like to plow behind these oxen every single day. Like, think about that for just a minute. What do you see when you plow behind these oxen every single day? You're seeing oxen rears every single day. Everybody. Like, I, I kid you not. And just think about the monotony of life and how that's what I've got to look forward to every day. Like, what do you smell every single day? I mean, it's, it's sick, like in the actual sick kind of way. Like, it's, a, it's the true sick kind of way. Like, it, it, it's what, what's your scenery? What, what, what do you smell? Like, he points out this idea, and, and uh, it, it's just, in fact, I was going to bring a picture for you, but I forgot the picture, everybody. So if you can't picture oxen rears, I was going to have one for you. But can I just, can I just assure you that it's probably not the best Probably not a place where I would want to spend every day of my life is behind uh, behind some oxen, and uh, it, it's it's his his job was just hard. It was probably at times boring, probably very boring. Just the same thing over and over again. It's smelly. Uh, you're staring at oxen rears every day. Same thing day after day. I tell you this because so many of us feel like Elisha. We feel exactly like Elisha, where maybe we're not looking at oxen rears, but we're doing the same thing day after day after day. Same job, same people, and it starts to feel like oxen rears. In fact, I would encourage you, don't go to your work and call your co-workers oxen rears, everybody. Uh, <laughs> not a good idea. But maybe that's, maybe that's what it feels like. That, uh, it, that's, that's, that's how your day feels. You've got the same feeling where maybe you go to work just to meet your sales quota. You meet your sales quota every day or every week or every month and, and, and you do it all over again. It just restarts. And it's the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, maybe you're a student and you, hallelujah, you probably just graduated or you're, just, you're getting out of school 
school for the summer, whatever it is, but it's felt like the past several months of your life. Maybe for you, it's been several years of your life working to get to this point where it's been the same thing. You know, you, you, you work, you study, you take these tests, you, you sleep, <laughs> work, study, test, sleep, whatever it is for you, it just, it's starting to feel like an oxen rear. For some of you, you've had the same job and it's, it, it's over and over and over again. Many, many of you parents, maybe you moms, you feel like this this morning to where it's like, I get up, I take care of the kids, we, we eat, we sleep, and that's all, that's what all over, do the dishes and the laundry, and we do it all over again. I don't know what it is for you, uh, but it, at times in your life, it's incredibly easy to begin to lose your passion when you're staring at oxen rears, when you're staring at the same thing over and over again, and that's where Elisha was. That's where he was all day long. But I want you to notice that even though that's where he's at, he was still being faithful to the task at hand. Even though it wasn't the ideal place for him, even though he's behind this plow every day, he was faithful at being behind the plow. He was faithful at being there. And I believe with all my heart that God loves to reward people who are faithful in the little things. I think it's because he knows that he can trust you. When you're faithful in the small things, I think God notices, and I think he knows that he can trust you with the bigger things in your life. When you're faithful with the little, he can trust you with much. And that's what really we see in this story with Elisha. This may not have been Elisha's favorite thing to do, to get behind the oxen and plow. And, and even though it was probably incredibly uh, physically draining, maybe emotionally draining, but he, he was still incredibly faithful and can I tell you, in the middle of an ordinary day, in the middle of a day that looked like all the other days, <laughs> we see God sends something new in his life. To, uh, he, he, sends, he sends a person in his life to take him to a place where he's going to have some great impact. I mean, we're still talking about him today. And so in the middle of that same old day, in the middle of a regular day, God shows up. And he shows up through the prophet Elijah. Look at what, look at what happens here. It says, Elijah went up to him. This is, this is the great prophet Elijah. Went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now to us, that doesn't mean a lot. Because we, we, we have a hard time in the culture understanding uh, what was culturally going on here. When, if we think, oh, somebody's coming up, throwing a cloak around us, it's raining outside, or something's going on like that, you know, that's, that, that's a nice thing to do. This was so much more than that. Uh, what he was doing here is Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, his cloak would have been made out of something uh, like, like an animal skin or some type of fur. Uh, and that was, his cloak was his covering. Not only that, but it was, it was spiritually a representation of his spiritual covering. His cloak was his spiritual covering. And so what we see is, what Elijah did, is Eli Elijah was, was, took off his covering and put it on Elisha, which basically was symbolically saying, that which covered me is now covering you. That protection, that umbrella that we have, that is now covering you. You're under my protection. That which I was under, now you're under. And God has been essentially saying, Elijah was essentially saying, as God has been working through me all these years, I'm giving it to you. I'm passing it on. He was passing it on to this next generation. And, and uh, he was literally giving his covering to Elisha. So I want to point those two things out right off the top.
Because I, now I, I just want to apply this story to your life. I, I, want to help, I want to help show you, really what I'm going to give you today, if, if you've been here for a little while, you probably look at the note-taking sheet and it looked like, well, pastor took a week off. You know, like, there's only two points on there because you know, last week we had like 50 points. Now we got two. It's all right. It'll balance out. But I, got, I did this on purpose because there's just two big points that I want you to get from this story today. Above everything else, would you get two principles of ridiculous commitment, everybody? If you want to have, if, if you want to have ridiculous commitment, here's two principles. I want to show you how this ordinary man responds to this extraordinary call. Look at this. Two principles. First one is this, is that you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Can I just tell you, when God calls you to do something, you don't have to understand the details to obey. It's not your part to understand the details. In fact, look at what happens. This is exactly what happens in this story. Elijah shows up to Elisha, and out of the blue, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He says, hey, hey let, me, let me say bye to my mom and dad. And let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I'm going to come with you. That's, that's, that's what he says. I want you to notice this. And this is going to maybe hurt some feelings here. But it's all right. I'm all about, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I am going to hurt some feelings. But look at what, here's what he didn't say. Elisha didn't say, I need to pray about that. You're like, oh, did that just really come from a pastor? It, it, Elijah didn't have this list of pros and cons. Like, if I, if I go here, and if I do what God is calling me to do, then I'm going to have this, but I'm not going to have this. There was no list of pros and cons. There was, there was no, no details. There was no, well, what's the salary going to be? Like, there, none of that. All he did was say, God, I know you're in this. I don't know the details, but hey, I'm going. I'm going to kiss my father and mother goodbye, and I'm going to go. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Now, if I can take you just down really quick, a, a, a rabbit trail. I, I heard a leadership podcast this week that talked a little bit about this, this idea that, uh, that I, in fact, let me just say it like this. I think this is the best way to say it. People ask me all the time, what's your plan for the church? What's, what's your ideal plan? Like, do you have a, you have a strategic five-year plan of, you know, what, what you're going to do in the next five years and what ministries and what different things? And, and I, can I tell I love that type of stuff. Like, I love strategic planning. I love to think ahead. Uh, but can I tell you, in the past year, my answer has changed. I, my answer is totally different. Like, when we started this church, I could probably tell you to the T, my five years, my five-year goals out. Uh, but in the past, in the past I've, I've had a five-year plan but what I've noticed, and you've noticed, I'm sure you've noticed this too in the past year, that things change so rapidly. I mean, it's hard to predict week to week, month to month. I'm thinking about six months from now. No telling what's going to happen six months from now. I, I, you, you just don't have any idea. There's no way for me to project ahead five years. And let me say it like this. There's also no way to project five years ahead all the divine opportunities that God is going to send my way. And I pray for those every day. I pray that God would show up in my life every day. Give me new opportunities every day. I have no idea what he's going to do. I stopped making five-year plans, everybody. I barely make 12 months out with the church. You know, like, I, 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 instead of just planning for the future, I've just decided, like Elisha here, I just want to be able to respond in the present. 
Like if I can just prepare myself for when God asks me, for that, that way when God asks me to do something, I'm ready. I'm here, I'm open. I don't have to change my five-year plan out. You know, like I, I don't have to worry about, I just want to be able to immediately respond to the voice of God, to opportunities that quite frankly, none of us are smart enough to know. Only he knows. And therefore, that's what really we do as a staff. As a staff, we try to build in margin to, in our leadership, in our time, in our money, in our families. So that when, when God does something, when God presents a divine opportunity for the church, we can jump on it. We're, we're ready. We're able to respond and be there. And so that's, that's really this whole idea is that, is that we're just... If I could just get you to a place... Where you were just in this posture of this spiritual readiness. Like if your heart was always in this posture of spiritual readiness. Where you, you, you can't plan what God might do from a year from now. But you're ready. You're ready when he speaks to you. And I just, I, man, I just think it's good teaching everybody. I just, I, I, just, I really do. I, I, I just want to be ready when God says yes. Another interesting thing that we see in this story, and honestly we see all throughout Scripture, is the fact that God rarely gives the details. Like when God calls you to do something, honestly, He, has a, he rarely gives a lot of details. I think, I truly believe, I do, this is just me, this is not, I think that God doesn't give a lot of the details. I think God is strategically vague in His directions because He knows that if he would tell us everything that he's going to do, we would be scared to death. Honestly, I, 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 think, I think that's why he's vague. So many of us, we want details. And I think God just essentially looks at us and just says, you can't handle the details. Like, you, you, have, you, you, you can't handle what I'm going to do. Like, if I showed you everything, you probably wouldn't show up. Like you, probably, I, you, you might not want to be a part of it. And, uh, but the cool thing about God and the great thing about God is that often he leads us in steps. You know, we, 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 I, maybe we don't know the end game, but we know that this is the next step. In fact, oftentimes, and we see this in Scripture, God can speak one word to people, and that can totally change their life. God will change one word. In fact, we sing a song that, is, uh, that says, One word from you, things change on your authority. It's a great song. And oftentimes it's just one single word. It's one word is enough to trust him. And so I think God's directions oftentimes are intentionally vague. In the Old Testament we see that um, classic story with Moses. Um, Moses gets direction from God. And essentially you can sum up all of the direction that God gives Moses into one word, which is go. It essentially just says, go to the land that I'm going to show you. Go and do it. Like, not... Where's it at? Or what, you know, they spent forty years looking for it. Everybody like, they, they, but he just says go, and that was enough to have the faith to go. Peter walking on water. I think that's another great example. There's a storm, and the disciples are in this boat during the storm, and Jesus appears on the water. And what does Jesus say? He says he tells Peter. He says, "Come." Now did Peter say, "Well, is there going to be?" a bridge or like is the water going to freeze what, what's going to happen no just come and Peter took that step one word and I don't know what your one word is um, but I'm I, you know I would just I would encourage you to even ask God what your one word is but some of you maybe you're here today and you feel like 
Your one word, you, you have a word. Maybe you're sitting, literally sitting in church today and your one word that God is speaking to you is commit. That might be it. I don't know what it is. Maybe uh, for you, it, you're, you're dealing with your health and health issues. Maybe your one word that God just is speaking to you is trust. Just to trust Him. Maybe uh, for you, it's an idea. Maybe, maybe He's saying, start. I don't, know what, I don't know what He's saying. Maybe you're dating a loser and He says, you need to, <laughs> you, you need to break up with them today. Now, that's more than one word. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's, maybe that's, that is his, his, He's speaking to you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with some crisis in your marriage and His one word for you is stay. I don't know what it is for you. But God often speaks vaguely in one word. And would you just trust him with that? Because you don't have to understand everything to do what God has called you to do. I can tell you story after story. I don't have time to tell you story after story of different things. One, one example in my life um, would be when I moved back home from Tulsa. Had an internship out there. The whole goal was to go out there get through the internship and get a job, everybody. That, that's the goal. So I went out there at the end, got off a, a job offer, and almost immediately within the next week, God just said, God just said go. And, and I knew it wasn't for where I was. And I honestly, it was one word and it was tough to navigate. I didn't know to go, well, do I go here or there or where? Where am I supposed to go? And honestly, made a few mistakes along the way as well. Um, but finally, I see, I see the, the fruit of that one word. I mean, God spoke to me. I just knew it wasn't there. He just said, he just said go. And that one word led me to where we are today. And that's, that's the ridiculous type of faith, the ridiculous obedience that I had from one word that turns into something so much greater. And some of you, some of you today, it's you're ri ridiculous enough not to know all the details, but still trust God. You know why? Because you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You got that one, everybody? You got it? You got it? All right. Here's the second one. Second, second thing that we really see in this story is this idea that, and this, I'm sorry, this word is wrong. This is supposed to say those. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Think about that for a minute. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Look at what happens here. We really see this in this story with Elisha. It says, so Elisha left him and went back. He took, off, he took his yoke of oxen. And what did he do? With the oxen rears that he stared at every day, the Bible says that he slaughtered them. And not only did he do that, he burned the plowing equipment up. I mean, it was, he burned it up to cook the meat, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Listen, somebody, that's ridiculous. To just hear a word from God, no, hear, hear something from God, and then just go and get rid of your source of income. He said, essentially, Elijah was saying, well, God's calling me to be a prophet, so what do I do? I'm going to kill the cows and burn the plows, everybody. Like that, that, was, that was his response. And that's ridiculous. I mean, I, okay, so, so in a way, there's, there's a lot of different scriptures out there that talk about that anytime something great happens, uh, slaughtering an animal typically is a part of a celebration. We even see that uh, in the New Testament uh, with the, the prodigal son story where they came home and they slaughtered the fatted calf and they all ate and had a big party. And that, that's great stuff. So that's typical. And so that, that, that's normal in scripture. 
But not only did Elisha slaughter the animals, but he also burned the plows. He burned the plows behind him. It's almost like Elisha is saying that there's no turning back. I know what God has spoke to me. There's no way. He's giving himself, he's literally <laughs> setting it up in a way to where there's no way he can go back. There's no way he can turn around. He has nothing to go back to. And I think it's so interesting that he has that type of faith to where he's like, there's no plan B. There's no if this works out or not. No, it's this is what God has called me to do. Now, that's really tough for us because our human nature says, oh, let's just keep all of our options open. <laughs> you know, like the, the, the more things that, you know, like if this doesn't work out, then this can, I, you know, if, 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 if this was me, if, Eli, if Elisha was my kid, you know, I would have said something maybe like, okay, you know, you can go and follow God. But let's just keep the cows and the plows just in case, you know, it doesn't work, you know, just in case that thing doesn't work out because you never know, like you might need them sometime, you know, I would feel that way. But what you see in scripture is that oftentimes people are so moved by God that they do ridiculous things like this to follow him. You see, whenever we see this, um, even in, uh, in the New Testament, we see this whenever Jesus encountered Peter for the first time. When Jesus was starting his ministry, he saw these guys, he saw Peter, he's on the boat, and uh, here, here he is, he's fishing, and uh, Jesus literally calls out from the shore, uh, and, and Peter was having this really bad fishing day, he wasn't, he wasn't catching anything, and, and Jesus calls out from the shore and, and says, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Now, I'm sure Peter probably wasn't too happy about that because it's like, well, what do you know? You know, I don't like when people try to tell me what to do, you know? So I, I'm sure maybe Peter was like that, and I don't know. But eventually Peter threw his nets on the other side of the boat, and the Bible says that there were, he caught so many fish that the nets broke. And then Peter has this realization. He's like, whoa, you know, who, who is this guy? Who are you? And Jesus essentially responds and says, from now on, you don't just have to catch fish, but come with me and you're going to be a fisher of men. A famous story there. Scripture says something just as crazy as, as burning the plows, killing the cows here. Something just as crazy as that. The Bible says that they left everything they had. Everything they had to follow Jesus. We have a hard time understanding that because when we read it, it's like, oh, Way to go, Peter. Like, that, that's awesome. What if, what if God called you to leave everything you had to follow Jesus? I mean, just contextualize it for your life for just a minute. Like, what if you had to leave your job? Like, the, the job that you probably trained for or went to school for? You, were, you, had, to, you had to give that up? Like, I majored in college for this. I got to leave my family. I got to leave my comfort. I got to leave my home. I got to leave everything to follow Jesus. Listen, some of you, God's going to speak to you in that way. Some of you, God is going to speak to you at some time in your life and give you this plow-burning type of faith. Are you willing to respond? Are you willing to trust Him with your life? I say all that to also say, to throw a big butt in there, because you also have to know that God is leading you. 
Like, don't just walk in. Like, I don't want you to go to work tomorrow and walk in and quit your job. Like, and say, Pastor Noah told me to have plow-burning type of faith, and I'm quitting my job today. I don't want you to do that. Like, that's, that's not my goal of this message. Uh, I, I, I'm just talking about when God speaks to you, that, that you know that you know that you know. God is calling you maybe to leave where you are and go. And you go where he leads. And you can't go back because God is calling you forward. And for some of you, God is going to give you this plow-burning type of faith. He's going to give you the faith deep within where you are willing to do whatever it takes to follow God and go to the next place. In fact, I could give you story after story again about uh, people that I know that have a plow-burning type of faith. I mean, starting this church, I could, I could go into vast detail about how this is a plow-burning moment for my life. I mean, I just try leaving everything behind, and this is, this is it. And I had, I had safe and secure place in Tulsa. I had a job out there. You know, it could have it it happened like that, but it was a plow-burning moment for me. I, know, I also know people, uh, I did want to give you this quick story, because I, I, really, I really think this is a great example in your life. I, I, I know a guy who really struggled uh, with pornography on his phone. He had this, he just had a smartphone, always had access to it, just could not beat it. He had faith enough to get rid of his smartphone and get a flip phone, everybody. That's the, that is plow burning type of faith. Like, I mean, this, he, I, let me just say that, he hates his flip phone, but he loves his purity, everybody. Like, that's the type, I mean, he, he was willing to sacrifice, and I'm just, and I'm just asking you, like, like maybe you need to burn a plow in your life. What is it in your life that keeps that that holds you back, that holds you back from knowing God? And I mean, and I don't know what it is in your life, but there are things in the way that keep you from serving God, and you just need to decide today. I, I, I'm going to burn that plow. Like, is there a sinful thing holding you back? Like, you know what? I, maybe it's doubt in your life. Just a, just, just a simple, like, I, I just, you need to burn the plow of doubt in your life. For some people, it is quite literally things like social media. Like, social media is that plow that keeps me from God. I'm constantly on it. Maybe you're on TikTok till 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. Like, it, it keeps, that is the thing that keeps me from connecting with God. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's just the, uh, maybe it's a relationship that you have in your life. You just need to sever that relationship so that you can get, you need to burn the plow so that you can get closer to God. You know why? Because you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And those that God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. And some of you, you're in here today and you, you quite literally, you've got a little, you've got a pet sin in your life. You've got something that's just, that, that's right. You're, you're like a little kid holding on to their blanket. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you've got a little security blanket with you. And that little, that pet sin, that is your, that is your security blanket that you constantly go, go back to. I had a, I had a doll. I didn't have a blanket. I had a doll. His name was Baby Boy. Baby Boy went with me everywhere, everybody. For whatever, <laughs> name your stuff weird. Anyway, Baby Boy, he went everywhere. I mean, when, if there was a tornado or something, or if we, you know, we, Taking him down to the basement, you know, like like he was he was ev he went everywhere with me. But how many of you know I had to leave baby boy behind at some point? I had to I had to leave that security. I, I had to I, I had to leave that thing behind. I mean, if I still had him up here today, you guys might be second guessing. You know what, what where you're at this morning, huh? I just, <laughs> but I, 
I just tell you, it, some of you, you're holding on to something so secure. You're holding on. There's there's a security in your life. But for you to step towards your destiny, you've got to step away from that security. You want God to move in your life? I'm telling you, you see all throughout Scripture that He's going to require you to give up some things, some things that you love, some relationships that you... I don't know what it is. I'm just telling you that there you need to have this plow-burning type of faith. God is going to speak to somebody... And I pray this morning that God speaks to somebody and that, that he would just give you that type of faith, that, that faith to believe that he's calling you to something new. Because many of you, I mean, you're going to go back tomorrow and you're going to look at oxen rears all day long. Like, like that, that is literally, but can I, I, can I just encourage you in your faithfulness and that faithfulness, and do, even, even if you think it's the monotonous thing over and over again, it, in your faithfulness, God may call you to do something even greater. He sees your faithfulness where you are right now. And he says, I, I, I'm, I'm going to trust you. And one day I'm going to give something to you. You just got to have the faith to go. And if you could just posture your heart in this position where you're just spiritually ready, that God, whenever you call me, I'm ready. I'll leave it behind. I'm ready to give it up. That's who God is looking for. You know why? Because you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately because those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. This morning, uh, as you came in, there was this ridiculous looking card (laughs) and it says ridiculous faith on the front of it. On the back of it, it just says, I'm going to burn blank to live a faith forward life. There's something in your life that is creating distance between you and God. There is a plow in between you and God right now. I, as we end this service, we don't normally end this way, but I think with messages like this, it's appropriate to just kind of put something to action. Would you take, I'm going to give you the next minute or two. Would you write down that thing that is keeping you between you and God? That plow that you need to burn in your life. I don't know what it is for you. I, I can't tell you what it is for you. The Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. Man, I just, man, just pray a prayer. God, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me, would you reveal to me what that is? I want to give you just a minute or two. Would you write that thing down? Would you be very honest? And if you don't want your neighbor to see it, you can fold it up even, you know, like fold it up. And when you're done writing that down, what I would love, love, love to do for you today is I just love to pray over that thing. So when you're done writing that down, would you lift, would you lift your hand with it? So that why I, know when I know we're ready. And maybe you don't want to write it down. Maybe you just want to think about it. I just love, 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 love to pray that with you. For some of us, the thing that stands in the way from God, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is something like social media. Others of us, it's a relationship, a hurt relationship. Maybe it's just the people that we hang around with. I don't know. Maybe for you, I, I, I have no idea what it is for you, but there is something that is in the way of you living a faith-forward life. And I would just like, as a church, on a Mother's Day, everybody, to de- declare that we are going to live a faith-forward life. Lift these up really quick. Let, let me pray over you. Father, today, we give these problems, we give these plows... God, the things that separate us from you, 
We lift these towards heaven. We, 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 we lay them at your feet today, Lord. God, we ask that you would take these from us. God, that you would help us to burn this plow. Help us, to, help us throughout this week to, to, to burn this and, and get rid of it in our life. God, we thank you right now in this room that your spirit and your presence is here. Lord, let your Holy Spirit fill each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you for such a great example that you've given us in Scripture. Lord, we, we admire your word. God, we admire the faith that Elisha has. And Lord, just as Elisha said about Elijah, would you pour out a double anointing upon us? Would you pour out that double anointing on your church, Lord? God, now more than ever, we need your, we, we need your love. We need your spirit. We need your presence. And so today we say, in order to get closer to you, we're willing to burn some things in our life. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this room today, and you say, well, Pastor Noah, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've, I've, I've never really, maybe, you've, maybe I've come to church a whole lot, but I've never committed my life to Him. If that's you in this room today, I would love to lead you in that next step. We're not going to ask you to come forward or up to the front or anything like that. But if that is you in this room, I'd love to pray with you today. In fact, I would just love to know who we're praying with. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved. Today, maybe, maybe today, you just need to decide. You need to say, you know what? The thing that's standing away, the, the, the plow in my life is my own life. And I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you in this room, I tell you, Jesus will come into your heart. Bible says that he cleanses you. He makes you brand new. You can start living that life. And I'd love to lead you in that step. If that's you in this room today, let me know who I'm praying for. On the count of three, would you just lift your hands with heads bowed, eyes closed. On the count of three, one, two, three. Would you lift your hands all over this room? Thank you. Thank you. God sees you this morning. Thank you. Put your hands down. Church, because we believe in this prayer, let's all say this together. Say this. Say, say dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen, amen. Would you get up for all the people who prayed that prayer this morning? Thank you for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you would like to partner with us financially or you live in the Southern Illinois area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out realchurch.info.